Dear Heavenly Father, on the basis of the blood of Jesus, we approach your throne of grace this morning to obtain mercy and to find grace to help us now in the time of need. Thank you for your word. Your word is living and powerful, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing asunder to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrows, and is a designer of thoughts and intents of the heart. Your word is proven and tried. Your word is pure and holy. Your word strengthens and empowers. Your word liberates and delivers. Your word is living and powerful. Your word is the sword of the spirit. Your word is spirit and life. Your word is sure. Your word inspires. Your word encourages and enlightens. Your word heals. Your word is your promise. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word is great. Your word is here and in him. Amen. And everything that is written about you in your word is great. You have magnified the word above your name. Give ear, O heaven, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the grain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, as, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Father, thank you. Use this clay to communicate divine truth to your people in Jesus' mighty name. Matthew 24 verse 14, we are still dealing with a team prepared to meet thy God. Amos chapter 4 verse 12. Every day we need to keep preparing because it can happen anytime. Are we there? Let's read it together. Verse 14. One, two, go. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Can we repeat it again? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Hallelujah. We'll be looking at some words from this verse 14. We'll be looking at the word gospel. We'll be looking at the word kingdom. We'll be looking at the word preached. We'll be looking at this word world. We'll be looking at this word witness. We'll be looking at uh, nations. There are six of the words we'll be considering this morning. And um, he said, this gospel, which gospel? If we go to Mark, let's turn our Bible to Mark chapter 1 verse 1. The Bible says there, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the Greek word for gospel is eugelion. And eugelion from usually you get the word evangel or evangelize or evangelistic. In ancient Greek, if usually designated the, the reward given for bringing good news. Later it came to mean good news itself. In the New Testament, the word includes both the promise of salvation and its fulfillment. By the life, by the death, by the resurrection, and by the ascension. So in essence, we have four parts of the, of the gospel. If you are going out to reach out to preach to somebody this gospel, there are four parts to this gospel. One, the life of Jesus. Two, the death of Jesus. Three, the resurrection of Jesus. 
And four, the ascension of Jesus. If you go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. So, these four parts of the gospel, if you are listening to someone and he's not telling you about the life of Jesus, he's not telling you about the, the sufferings, the death of Jesus, he's not telling you about the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, then you know it is not that gospel, that Mark chapter 1 verse 1 or Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 that Jesus spoke about. In fact, if you go to Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, can we turn to Galatians chapter 1 verse 6? Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. There is something that Paul wrote there. Paul said, he said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I marvel, I marvel that what? That you are turning away so soon, so soon. From him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And you, you, you agree with me if you go to Matthew chapter 24 verse 5. That Jesus warned us about these men. These people that will manifest in these last days. That will begin to bring different gospels. In verse 5 he says, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many. And then, verse 11, Jesus says something about it again. He said, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Today, people are not ready to read the, the word of God. They want to run from one place to the other in search of prophecy. What has God told you? When you were praying for me, I saw you closing your eyes and you were shaking your head. When you were praying. Don't you know that the best prophecy is the word of God? Praise the Lord. And so, people will come and they will tell you all manner of things. When, when I see you, I will do what? Prophesy. That's the kind of thing you hear today. And you see people who are native doctors who are now putting color. And they use clairvoyance. And they can tell you all manner of things. Tell you there is a tree standing inside your compound in the village. What can you on a village? On a tree, I put a village. On who is on a compound again? I see a tree standing in your compound. That tree, that's something that is buried there. That is the kind of thing we want to hear. But I thank God because anyone that comes to this assembly wants to hear the truth and nothing but the truth. Anybody that comes to this assembly and doesn't make it to heaven, I'm sorry. Because you are hearing the, the, the unadulterated truth. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to that Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. It says that this gospel of the kingdom, let's pause and look at the word kingdom. Remember that three and a half years it took Jesus three and a half years to teach his disciples about the concept of the kingdom. But after three and a half years they were not able to understand or grasp what Jesus was saying. That's why in Acts of Apostles chapter 1 verse 6 
They asked him a question. Therefore, when they had come together, the day Jesus was to ascend, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were more concerned about the earthly kingdom, not about the heavenly kingdom that Jesus was talking about. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 14 verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's not in eating and drinking. But in righteousness, Isaiah chapter 54 verse 14 it says that in righteousness you shall be established. Isaiah chapter, chapter 32 verse 17 says the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and assurance forevermore. So Jesus took time to explain the kingdom, the kingdom concept. In fact, Pilate himself didn't understand it. Of course, he shouldn't understand it anyway. When he asked, when he asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, are you the one asking? And then, when Jesus replied him, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom is of this world, my followers will resist the Jews from arresting me. And then he repeated, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus, as he was doing all sorts of things, and they saw that he was the Messiah, and they, they, at one point, they wanted to make him king. And when he saw what they were planning to do, he walked away. During the day he was coming into Jerusalem, triumphal entry, everybody was shouting, the Messiah, our Messiah is coming. Our Messiah is coming. And there was this red alert. And the Roman government beefed up security all over Jerusalem. Because they didn't want any, any wahala. And the moment the, the, the Roman government saw the security details, saw Jesus ride into Jerusalem, they had to disperse. There was something that they saw that made them to disperse. And the Jews themselves, who were believing God for a Messiah also, they were disappointed because they understand signs and symbols. Jesus at one time was rebuking them. He said, you read the signs. When the sky changes, you know what is going to happen. And so when they saw Jesus riding to Jerusalem with a donkey, they knew. I am what about this man. Had it been Jesus rode into Jerusalem with a horse, the Roman government would have arrested him. So he came in. But I thank God because the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is not going to come with a donkey. He's going to come with what? He's going to come with a what? A horse. He was the king of kings and the lord of lords. So he was trying to tell them this is the kingdom I'm talking about. In my kingdom there is peace. Apostle Paul says in that Romans chapter 14 verse 17, he says, the kingdom of God is not in, in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you go to John chapter 14 verse 27, he says, my peace I give you. My peace I live with you. Not as the world gives you. And then in John chapter 16 verse 33, he says, he says, in the world you have what? Tribulation. But be of what? Good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Now, let's go to the next one. This gospel of the kingdom shall be what? Preached. If we go to Acts of the Apostles chapter 9 verse 20. Bible says there immediately he preached the Christ. 
in the synagogue that he is the son of God. The Greek word for put is keruso. It means to herald. It means to tell abroad. It means to publish, to propagate, to publicly proclaim, to exhort, to call out with a clear voice, not a shaky voice. And so in Mark, in Mark 2 chapter, chapter 1 and uh, chapter 1, chapter 3 verse 1, The Bible says there, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He came heralding. He came proclaiming. He came propagating. He came publicly proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the message that John the Baptist preached that day was what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you tell your neighbor, repent? That was the message. Politicians will call it slogan. But that was the message that John began to preach. And Jesus also preached John's message. Because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we get back to Mark, if we go to Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and verse 15, he says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, John the Baptist began that message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When he was imprisoned, Jesus continued, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's look at the word repentance. It is a decision that results in a change of mind which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. A change of mind which in turn leads to the change of purpose and action. If we get back to, if we go to Acts of Apostle chapter 2, verse 38, Apostle Peter, as he rounded up the message, verse 37, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter simply said, Repent. Repent. Is that the message that we are carrying now? When I saw the program for half of second half of the year, I saw my name and I saw this and I began to study it. I started repenting. Up till this morning, I was still repenting. Because there, there was a kind of message I've been preaching. Oh. And when I studied, I saw that I cannot go away from preaching the life of Jesus, preaching the death of Jesus, preaching the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus. These are the four parts of the gospel you should preach. You can't go beyond that. And we also know that uh, Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, Acts of Apostle chapter uh, 10 verse 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all manner of sicknesses and diseases. Like this morning, after service, we will go to the world. How many people will go to the world? We'll have opportunity to come before the altar and, uh, and uh, reconnect with God again. And ask Him to forgive us. Because if we take a survey now, 
how many of you have actually reached out to a soul this year? I don't know how many of us will, will raise our hands. Yes, I know that this particular church is mission-minded. mission minded. We are mission-minded. No doubt about it. But you as an individual, what are you doing? The people that come, that God brings around you, what are you doing with them? Do you allow them to pass by? If we go to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, you see the five-point agenda of the gospel. The five-point agenda of the gospel. The Bible, Jesus walked into the synagogue and a book was presented to him. A Bible was presented to him. Or you call it a scroll. And then he turned to a place in Isaiah. For us, it's Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. And he began. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. He has set me apart, number one, to preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, to heal the brokenhearted. Agenda number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The fourth part agenda, recovery of sight to the blind. And the, the fifth agenda, say to set at liberty those that are oppressed. And when he finished that, two verses after he said, today, this scripture, has been fulfilled. So, in this five-point agenda, you must bear this in mind. You are to preach the gospel to the poor. You are to heal the broken-hearted. You are to proclaim liberty. Declare it. Proclaim it. Recovery of sight to the blind. And then, of course, they setting at liberty those that are bruised, oppressed. Okay? Let's go back again to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. What does it say? And this gospel of the kingdom will what? Be preached. In where? Let's read that place. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Post there. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. There are two Greek words for world. In Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 15, we see the first, the first one. Let's read Jeremiah 51 verse 15. It says, He has made the earth by his power, he has established the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heaven by his understanding. So, the world, the first Greek word for world is Tibel or T-E-B-E-L. But you don't pronounce it Tibel. You pronounce it with this spelling. T-E-H hyphen V-E-L which is Tibel. Tibel. Not Tibel, but Tibel. And what does it mean? It means the fruitful earth, the globe, and the dry land. The second you find it in John chapter 18 verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. My kingdom is not from this world. The world there, second Greek word, is cosmos. And from cosmos, you have the cosmopolitan. It means the earth and the system of the world. The earth and the system of the world or the world order. You may be hearing the new world order. New world order. System of the world. 
is completely different from the kingdom Jesus is talking about. And if you go, to, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Let's all go to Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. We are going to read it together. Matthew 5 verse 13. From verse 13, it says, Are you there? Can we read now? One, two, go. You are the salt of the earth. Note that. Remember, we are, the first one is talking about the tibel, which is earth, globe, and um, dry land. You are the salt of the earth. Remember also that David, David said something in Psalms. He said, the earth is of the Lord and the fullness thereof. Now, let's read on now. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. What did Jesus call us? What did Jesus call you? Ask your neighbor, are you a salt? What's your answer? Yes. Some are even confused. You're a salt. You're a salt. And Jesus said something. He said, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? You can't use it to cook again. And we are Christians. We are enjoying ourselves. We come to chapel of his resurrection. I remember what happened in, in Jerusalem. Remember that after Jesus, they asked Jesus a question, will you now this time restore the kingdom? And Jesus said, Jesus didn't want to refer to that. He didn't refer to them to that. He said, but you shall wait in where? He said, the power of God will come upon you you wait in Jerusalem and the power will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in where again? In Samaria, in where again? On the uttermost parts of the earth. So when the power came upon them, they were busy having fellowship, breaking bread, house to house in Jerusalem. And the Holy Ghost now now brought in persecution. Many of them had to escape and went to Judea and went to Samaria and some went to other most parts of the earth because they were busy enjoying like some of us are enjoying here. You know, our church is a mission church. And you feel that because the church is a mission church, you can no longer do anything for Christ. It says, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14. Can we read verse 14? Are you there? Let's read. One, two, go. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Can I ask you this question? Are you hidden? Ask your neighbor, are you hidden? Ask yourself again, am I hidden? Ask your neighbor, are you hidden? Tell three neighbors, are you hidden? Are you hidden? Are you hidden? The last song before the message started. I mean, what summarize the message and the preach now? When you are singing him, try to sing it. And let it make meaning into you. Not just sing it. Then I go treble. Or then I go alto. Or tenor. Or bass. Men and women that wrote the, these hymns. Are highly spiritual men and women. So when you are singing those hymns. Be careful. Read, sing, it, sing it with meaning. So that it can minister to you personally. Hallelujah. Verse 15. 
Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, and they may see your good works, and glorify the Father. It takes me to the next one. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. For what? A witness. What is witness? What is witnessing? Giving evidence. Attesting. Confirming. Confessing. Bearing record. Speaking well of. Giving good report. Testifying. Affirming that one has seen, heard, or experienced something. Can we all go to First John chapter 1? First John chapter 1 from verse 1. What does he say? Can we read it together? Let's go. One to go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the, the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. We write these things that your joy may be full. And so that's the witness. You are testifying. You've seen it. You've handled it. Apostle John was telling the people, the, the disciples said, the, the believers, he said, we have seen him, we've handled him, we can testify of it. But when you go to the book of Acts of the Apostles, from chapter 1 to chapter 28, the word witness, the word witnessed, E-D, and the word witnessing is mentioned 33 times. The word witness, the word witnessed, and the word witnessing mentioned 33 times. From Acts of Apostles chapter 1, verse 8, you see the power of witness. When the power comes upon you, you become witnesses for me. Now, if, let's go to Acts of Apostles chapter 22 to 26, verse 22. Acts of the Apostles chapter 26 verse 22. Chapter 1 talks about the, the power of witness. But chapter 26 verse 22 talks about the performance of witness. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and great. I stand witnessing in the world, in the world evangelism. I stand witnessing inside, I sit inside a bus that is taking me to Oka. I stand I, with the mechanics that are repairing my vehicle. I stand in the school where I minister. I sit in my office as a doctor and I share and I witness to the people that come for me to treat them. Anywhere I go, I witness. That's the performance of witness. Hallelujah. So, witnessing is not just confessing, but more importantly, your conduct. It's not just confessing, but more importantly, your conduct. Your conduct matters. That's why he says, Let your light so shine before all men. Let your light so shine before all men that they may see your good works and glorify and glorify your father, your father, who is in heaven.
heaven. It's not just about preaching it. One pastor was sharing with us one day. He said, a woman that is living in their neighborhood in Transekulu, that woman attends one of these uh, die, die, die church. Die, die. So every night, the whole vicinity now na, 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 na vibrates whenever the woman is praying. But nobody wants to associate with the woman in the yard. The woman of the area scatter. a good witness. No good witness. I know about two persons who have told me, good Christians who have told me, Pastor, I will not do any business with a Christian again. I would prefer to do, a, to do business with unbelievers because when an unbeliever falls, I will. But open a Christian. I can say, Nah, bless you. Nah, nah, didn't want to. I can't a Christian. Nah, come on down. Didn't want to. I'm telling you. And when they come initially, they will bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Bless you. Or bless you, Kageli. What of your conduct? And you are ready to defraud. You are ready to defraud others. And yet you say you are a child of God. Witnessing. Alexander the Great, I want to share this story with you. Alexander the Great, in one of his military campaigns, was in a camp one night and he could not sleep. So he decided to come out of his, his tent and uh, was walking around the, the watch guards to observe them. And he came to one watch guard and looked at him. As he saw him from a, from a distance, he noticed that the guy was sleeping very, very well. Guard, Nalarola. As he was coming close, and the guy slowly started waking up. And as, as Alexander the Great came very close, and he asked him, Alexander the Great asked him, I hope you know the penalty of what you are doing. And he stood up and said, Yes, sir. And then Alexander the Great asked him, What is your name? And he stood with attention and said, My name is Alexander. Alexander said, I said, what is your name? My name is Alexander. And then Alexander became loud, loud very loud. I said, I said, what is your name? My name is Alexander. And then Alexander the Great turned. And as he was going, he said, my friend, if you cannot change your conduct, better change that name. Jack, if you can't change your conduct, change that name. Look at the, 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 the Christians, the believers in Antioch. They were branded a name. What name were they branded? Christians. Why were they branded Christians? Because they were behaving like Christ. So witness is not just to tell people about Jesus, but your life should speak. Your life should speak. Your life should speak. There was a survey that, met, that was made in a church abroad. 3% of the people that came to church came on their own. 9% of the people that came to church who were members of the church said they were, vis they were visited by the pastor of the church. 18% of the people that came to church said it was the advert on the radio and the television that brought them to church and the signboards. About 65 or 67% said they came as a result of a member in the church telling them about that church. You are enjoying the food here, oh. How many people have you told or shared with about chapel of his resurrection? How many people have you told about Christ? Arab Kennedy's in the church. What about Christ? I know of a sister that started coming to church because she observed her boss in the office. The way her boss is here treats, everybody in the office. 
And she said, sir, I want to come to your church. From the moment she came to that church, she never, she never left. After the first service and the way she was welcomed, I said, sir, I now know why you behave the way you behave, sir. What percentage can we allot to ourselves individually and collectively in the aspect of witnessing? What percentage can you allot to yourself? How many people have you you spoken to about Christ? I remember a young man that lived with me. I was teaching them in the Bible school. He didn't have a place to stay, so I, I invited him to stay with us. So after two years, staying with us, eventually graduated and started pastoring. When he was about to wed, he said, Daddy, I want you to be, you and mommy to be our parents in our wedding. He said, parents, parents in our wedding. I said, Pastor, Daddy, you may, you may not understand. I've watched you for two years. I've observed you and mommy. People have believed or have seen you. We want somebody. I have observed you for two years living in this house. So our conduct was witnessing to him. Your conduct, is it witnessing to somebody? That's your husband that is not a believer. Your conduct, is it witnessing to, to him? Or after service, you go back home and you begin to dress your pastor down, dress some members down, dress everybody down. Finally, this gospel shall be preached in what? In all the world. As what? As a witness to what? To the nations. About three Sundays ago, the topic was, I know your works. If you go to Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, you see the seven churches. But I don't want to take you there. I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the children of Israel were about to enter Canaan, God warned them. There were about seven nations God warned them about. Are you there in Deuteronomy chapter 7? Let's read from verse 1. Want to go? When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gagashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. Verse 2. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Verse 3. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your, daughters, for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Verse 5. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. Verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. 
You read down up to the verse 9. But listen, seven nations. I'll just read down certain things about these seven nations. Because where we read in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached all the world as a witness to the nations. And we've handled seven churches. But there are these seven nations were the enemies of Joshua's generation. And I want to submit to you today that these same enemies of the Joshua generation is still the enemies that is fighting the church today. Let's look at it. Materialism. The Canaanites. The Canaanites were merchant traders known for their business skills and material possessions. The first enemy, materialism, is one of the greatest enemies of God in the earth today. The spirit of covetousness will rob you from your promised land in God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 18. Remember God was telling the children of Israel, as you enter Canaan, make sure that you, that you serve me and you always acknowledge the fact that I'm the one that gave you the power to get wealth. Now, number two, the fear. Fear. Uh, the Hittites. The Hittites stands for fear. Remember I said Canaanite stands for materialism. Hittites stands for fear. The Hittite tribe was a fierce nation that brought terror and fear into the hearts of its enemies. Look at what um, the Fulani headsmen, look at what Boko Haram, look at ISIS, what they are doing. Fear, fear, throwing fear, creating fear all over. Number three, humanism, Hivites. The Hebrew definition of the Hivites is to live a life openly shown, a serpent. The spirit is one of the strongest, if not the strongest of all evil spirits at work today in the world. Humanism and Christianity are opposites and they will war against each other until Christ comes again. Number four, immorality, the parasites. The, the, the Hebrew word parasite means open on world. This tribe was a roaming tribe that never bothered to secure its dwelling by building walls and cities. This open, unprotected existence is a type of what the spirit of immorality produces in the people's lives. We, have, we live in a society that rejected God's word concerning the sacredness and sanctity of sex. And because they have broken his law, they are reaping the consequences. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 to 20. Number five, compromise. Compromise. Gagashites. The Gagashites were dwellers of the clay and marsh. The, the, they speak to us of compromised living. Satan couldn't stop you from being saved. He couldn't stop you from getting baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, he really isn't that upset about losing you unless you decided to live as a, an uncompromising Christian. The day you decide, I'm a fanatic for Christ, all hell will be let loose against you. Need the bone again, the enemy can say, Rap on ya. Na, 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 chinchi gwaromu ya na gene me. Nive de okwe message you ya, na, anu ya, so bad draw, judge us ya. And then compromise will begin to come. Begin to come. The greatest enemy of, of true revival is our, in our land is compromising Christians and compromising Christianity. Compromise produces confusion in the life of the believer. Compromise brings frustration in the life of the people of God because you will eventually lose whatever you've compromised to keep. That thing that you've compromised to keep, you eventually lose it. So why have you decided to compromise? Number six, rebellion and pride on the Amorites. Amorites. The Amorites, the Hebrew meaning of the tribe Amorite is proud, boosting, bitter rebels, mountaineers. Remember that God, God warned about pride. He says he resists the proud and gives grace to what? To the humble. In James chapter 4 verse 6 to 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, 5 to 7. And 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17. And then Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18. He said that pride goes before a fall. Number 7, that's the last one. He says discouragement and condemnation. That's the Jebusites. The Jebusites. The literal meaning of Jebusites is trodden down. This is a picture of Satan's strategy to discourage and, and condemn God's people. There has been a great attack of discouragement and weariness against the body of Christ in these last days. Satan has sought to afflict God's people with battle fatigue. 
battle fatigue to try and stop what he knows God is about to do. And so when you look at this seven, materialism, do we see it in the church? I'm not, I'm not talking about here. Do we see it in the body of Christ? I'm asking us a question. Do we see materialism in the body of Christ? What of fear? Fear of the unknown. Fear of tomorrow. Fear of what I'm going to eat after service. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have what to eat. I'm not going to even mungeli in my narrow church. I'm not going to even I don't know. And people, when you, when you step out of your home every morning, you step out with uncertainty. People, a lot of people don't step out now with confidence. They step out with uncertainty. That's fear. And the Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. Humanism were another one, the most deadliest spirit. And that's, the, what, that's, that's what is coming up now. And then you talk of immorality. And then you talk of compromise. Many of us are compromising. I know where I even fall, even Daba, that's seven of them. I'm not going to materialism. I was studying this and praying. And I heard the voice say, stop criticizing those people, those ministers of God that you are criticizing. They built universities, they have done this, and the, the people cannot pay. We for the legwa. Ega hoopa with me. Kega ega me with the family. He reminded me and said, You know one of them, you've read his story in Kwara State, how he began. All these ministers of God, they they started in a humble beginning. All of it materialism Diego. But we are going to stand today. I'm going to come to the altar and say, Lord, I reconnect back to this altar. I reconnect back to the grace of this altar. What of compromise? Have you compromised? In your office, have you compromised? In your, in your, in your school, are you compromising? Remember when I was in school, secondary school, I was told chemistry is a dif- difficult course. Physics, mathematics, I never entered chemistry lab. I didn't enter physics lab. Because I heard people say physics is very difficult. I took Waieko. <laughs> I didn't go for science. So I had C6 in mathematics. So. But when I was telling somebody the six is somewhere, I was an old giraffe in Kamel when we the six. I hope you know what I mean by giraffe. We compromise. Now when we can have a school, when we can other aspects, even in business, they are telling you let's cut corners, and you are cutting corners. The hour has come. Look at the rebellion. Paul told Timothy, warn those people that are unruly. He's not talking about, he's not talking to those people that are outside the body. He's talking to those people that are inside the body. Warn those people that are unruly. So you see pride and you see discouragement. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Ask yourself whether you are a salt. Have you lost your flavor? I'm making altar call now. Those that know that they have never even spoken to someone about Christ. You have opportunity to come to reconnect. You lost your flavor and you want God, you want that back again. God will ask you a question. How many people have you won for me? Compromise. Other aspects. Raise your two hands to the Lord. 
Or is there anyone here, this is the first time you are hearing the gospel, and you say, I want to give my life to the Lord. You are here. And I see your hand. Are you struggling with compromise? I'm making altar calls. You are here. The light of the gospel is no longer shining. You are here. The salt has lost its flavor. And you want that flavor back. Can we come before the altar? So that our Father will pray for us. Many of us have not been able to share the word. Can we come? Compromise. Immorality. Pride. Rebellion. We are one. One with the world. Humanism. Lukewarmness. There are things to turn over. They pour cold water on you. You can't preach the gospel. You can't live the gospel. Before you can tell another to repent. Have you repented? Is there an area in your life that you need a change? Just come to the altar like the others have done. We're not going to pray long for them. Your sign of stepping out to the altar is godly sorrow that leads again to repentance. And then the peace of God can flow in. Father in heaven, as we kneel, so do we also acknowledge our transgression, acknowledge our compromise, acknowledge where we have fallen and strayed, acknowledge where we are carrying a weight that needs to be dropped, Father, according to your word in Hebrews 12, 1, we lay aside those weights now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we also wear of the sin that easily besets and compromises and blows our conduct that makes the gospel dim and we cannot send the light. And we send mixed signals. Whatever they be in our life this morning, Lord, we also lay aside in the name of Jesus. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your cleansing. We ask that the ray of the gospel light shines again through our heart. And as that light shines, darkness and every other form of evil will not be able to withstand it. And so shall we stand as a city on a hill again and reflect your light in the name of Jesus. For every one of us here kneeling, and for those standing, and for those who are yet out, we ask, O God, that you are cleansing, and the time of bringing a new Lord will avail for us in the name of Jesus. That the work you did on the cross of our Calvary will avail for us. Will avail for us. Will avail for us. As we repent again and come unto you, Lord, may we be instruments of using your hand for honor, for glory, in joy, in righteousness, in the Holy Spirit. And let your power work in our lives to your own glory. Use us and minister the greater in your mercy in us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us who still, we can talk about where we walk, we can talk about Buhari. We can talk about Toshibajo. We can talk about every other. We cannot talk about Jesus. We cannot talk about what makes us different in our businesses, in our places of work. Lord, today I ask that you untie our lips and our conduct and put a fire in the name of Jesus. And put a fire in the name of Jesus. That people will see us and people will hear and not only take note that we have been with him, but your power and the gospel will bring them down also to heaven to rejoice alongside. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.